let's do something. Let's take 15 seconds. All right, just close your eyes. So welcome, welcome back to Canoe Creek. Uh, excited to be here this Sunday morning, day after Christmas, uh, to praise God together. This is what we do at Canoe Creek. Each and every Sunday we gather, uh, we praise and how we sing, the prayers that we have, maybe just 15 seconds in silence uh, through the word that we open up and we read and we engage with. Our desires that as we do this and our firm conviction and belief is as we do this, God is forming and shaping us to become people to demonstrate the characteristics of God, to build his kingdom as we expectantly wait for his return. And uh, that as we go out from this place each and every week and every day of our lives, we are sharing Christ in a variety of ways with our world. And so we're always expectant of that, thoughtful of that, uh, pressing into that. Let me share a couple of things to let you know how you can engage with that vision here at Canoe Creek. Just share a couple of ways too that you can get connected. Uh, one of them is that we have started using a new church app. So if you've used the old one with the orange logo and all, it's great. And, and it's still live, and it will be live all the way to the end of January. But we began using a new church app just starting a, a week or so ago. And um, here's two reasons. One is it made a lot of financial sense for us. It helped save a little bit of money. And that was a smart thing for us to do. The other one was it helped us put everything in one place. And even just some of the comments we got last week from some people, it was really encouraging to know that it, it made it very easy for people to engage with some of the material at Canoe Creek, connect with some of the things going on here at Canoe Creek. So we're excited about that. That also means if you give through the current app, uh, that we would encourage you to go up and set up your giving through the new app because it is a whole new platform for that. Like I said, that'll be live all the way through the end of the old one will be live all the way through the end of January. And uh, we'll keep reminding you about that as we move forward through this uh, new coming year. Uh, the other thing I want to let you know about, which is really exciting, is a great way to get connected and grow, is that we have some new winter electives coming up. Uh, they're, they're beginning on January the 16th. Going to be some amazing content once again. Uh, as we press into some new plans and ideas for the new year, uh, one of the classes is going to be about uh, what if Jesus was serious about what he said. And it's going to be really drawn from the wisdom of Jesus found in the Beatitudes that he shared from the Sermon on the Mount. It's powerful content there. The other one's going to be uh, staged in the Old Testament, look at the wisdom of the Old Testament, Solomon and Ecclesiastes, and how do we understand these things and how do we apply these things in our lives. So Two great classes, start date, end date. You can go in there every Sunday. Want to be at 9, want to be at 1030, pick which one. Man, listen, open your heart up to God's word. You'll be amazed at what he's going to do with you. It's a great opportunity. Just come for two hours, study in one, you know, praise God in the other, um, and look forward to seeing what happens to our church as a result of that. So uh, listen, we are finishing up sermon series today, Advent. We've been looking at it over the last few weeks talking about the kind of characteristics that we can live with as a result of the fact that we live between two worlds. That's what we've looked at. We celebrate at Christmas time the Advent. That is Jesus coming, God coming in the flesh. We believe without a doubt, without faith that God did that and that through his sacrifice and resurrection, we have hope, we have joy, we have peace. 
Uh, we can live in an atmosphere and culture of love, even though the world around us doesn't always celebrate that. And we are looking forward to the promise that he has made to us, he will return. And uh, we live that way, whether it's a 1,000 years from now, two more 1,000 years from now, right? We live with that expectancy, and, and, and it's not always easy, though. And so that's what we have been talking about in this sermon series, and I want to wrap that series up today with, with just one last thought on how do we practice that hope, love, joy, and peace in a manner that really glorifies God and shares Jesus with the world around us. As I was thinking about that, um, this goes way back. So anybody north of, you know, the, their, their late 40s and is into boxing, you'll remember this moment. I think it was November the 25th, 1980, Robert Duran was fighting uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. And Robert Duran was an amazing fighter. He'd already won, I think, 72 fights at this point. He'd already beat Sugar Ray Leonard before. And pretty much in the fight, it was, it was very, very even. I mean, it, one point one way or one point the other way. And everybody will remember Robert Duran for this moment. I mean, what he did blew everybody away. He, he basically, in the middle of the fight, he looked at the ref and he said, no mas. He's done. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't injured. He was just absolutely done, and he walked away. And everybody remembers Robert Duran for that moment. I, you know, more of a contemporary personal story is I had a, I've, I've got a relative whose son was wrestling, a very good wrestler. And uh, he was in the middle of summertime camps wrestling, and he was wrestling off with other kids to win his weight class to be able to wrestle for that team at that weight class. And he had it locked up. He was in, he just finished up the second round of a match, and um, he was winning by far. He was going to win the match easily. Uh, at the end of the second round, he just walked over to his side, started putting his stuff in a bag, zipped it up, and coach says, what are you doing? He said, I'm done. And he walked out. Uh, he was walking down the road, called his dad, said, hey, dad, I, I just quit wrestling, and um, I need you to come pick me up. I'm on such and such road walking home. <laughs> dad went and picked him up. Um, what, what I don't want us to think about is there's some sort of male bravado in this to where we say you could never quit. You shouldn't quit. Well, what if... Being obedient to God means I quit this or quit that. What if it, removing myself from a certain culture, whether it's work, whether it's a team, whether it's a club, whatever it may be, positions me to better serve God, to be built up better in my life? We have this idea that you can never quit. Well, yeah, sometimes we do, and sometimes it's the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the idea of faithfulness, this is one thing that we never want to quit at. We always engage. We always are pressing forward. We may have moments where it doesn't go so well in our lives, but we lean back into the Word. We lean back into the Spirit. We lean back into God, and we ask, okay, how can you use this mistake? How can you use this time of trouble or conflict, whatever it may be, to build me better, uh, to continue to press into faithfulness because I believe without a doubt that just as Jesus came the first time, he will return the second. And I want to give every ounce I've got between now and that time or you call me home, Lord, to be yours because I know it without a doubt that it's the best thing I can do because you want the best for me, you want good for me, and no matter how much conflict or tension this world brings in my life, it's okay. You know, how do we live so that we never say no mas to hope and love and joy and peace, right? Well, let's look at this text together this morning, this final text in this series on Advent. Uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 25 through 35. Jump in your Bibles with me. Grab the Bible off the rack in front of you and turn to the book of Luke. Always the chapters are those large numbers. 
and then the smaller numbers are the verses. And, and if you want to follow along on your phone and see the notes of the sermon, this is always confusing to some people, is use the Bible app. The Bible app is a very well-known app. It's not ours. It's just out there. A lot of people use it for the Bible on their phone. And if you click on the More tab and you select Events, you'll see Canoe Creek Christian Church. And in there, every week, we paste our notes so you can follow visually with the sermon and audibly because a lot of people like to do that. Some people save those notes so they can review them later as well and press into that. So let's read this together. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35 says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. This is God's word. What an amazing moment. Uh, Not only for us right now to reflect on, not only for Simeon, who had been looking forward to the revelation of the Messiah of the people of the world and got the, the promise from God and the nudge from the Holy Spirit and was involved in it all, and for Mary and Joseph, not only great things, but also some daunting statements there for Mary as well to deal with. You know, a faithful attitude of expectancy, it is built on the work of God through Jesus Christ, but that faithful attitude of expectancy that we can nurture, that we can build through engaging in services like this one, through engaging in groups or classes to where our understanding of God is built. Uh, That type of faithful expectancy in our life to where we live present with the Spirit daily, it doesn't come easy. It may come free, in a sense, through Jesus Christ, built on his sacrifice, but it does not come easy. And, and, And I want us to think about that because... Practicing the presence of God in your life will bring conflict into your life. The idea is if I believe in Jesus, everything in my life that's bad is going to get better and everything that's good is going to be great, 
right? It's going to be easy. It's going to be smooth sailing. But the reality of it is, is as we practice the presence of God, just like Simeon here is a man with the Spirit, it says. It's a man who's listening to the leading of the Spirit. It's a man who knows deeply God and is desiring to know him more. And he's nudged to move in the direction to see and not miss a moment in time. That happens every day for us. And sometimes those moments are going to lead us into a moment of conflict, not because we're trying to create it, not because we desire it or want it, but because the world does not like Jesus. And when we try to bring Jesus to the world, sometimes it is very difficult. Jesus wasn't a polarizing figure. Jesus is a polarizing figure to this moment. I mean, he is... He is deeply debated among our culture around us. And here's the thing. A lot of people will try to soften and, 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 and somehow praise him, but at the same time devalue him. Great guy, loving guy, you should be more like Jesus, so on and so forth. But, yeah, I mean, son of God, okay, that's a little bit too far. I really, well, if he's a great guy, then he wouldn't lie, and that's what he declared for himself. And so, you know, th- this can bring conflict, though, when we look at the absolute reality, the absolute truth of who Jesus is. And, and we soften this all the time, even this time of the season, Christmas time, right? We sing certain choruses. We sing certain, we hear certain choirs sing of certain things, and we just think romantic beauty, you know, fairy tales. I mean, Handel's Messiah, right? The Hallelujah Chorus. It's just, it's just moving and inspiring. It just inspires me towards love and acceptance and all this. And I'm like, you do realize that is based on the picture of Revelation where Jesus is coming in on a horse. He's wearing a white robe, except it's not white because it is dipped in blood. He's coming as the king of the universe, which he is, and those who have rejected him or those who have said he is not who he is, uh, try them. It ain't going to go so well for you. He's going to come in power, in absolute glory in that way. And so the authority of Jesus is strongly opposed by the culture around us in many ways. And so Simeon says, this child is going to be the result of the rising of some and the falling of others. He said, he is a sign that people will speak against. And we see that constantly. So when we speak for him, when we speak up for him, when we speak out about him, sometimes it brings conflict and a struggle in ways that we don't always desire and want, but ways we don't shrink back from as well. Uh, Jesus claims that uh, he is in... that he is the son of God, and some people just won't accept that. But at the reality of it all, every square inch of physical space, mental space, spiritual space, you name it, emotional space, Jesus is Lord over it. Jesus is king over it. And because of that, when we champion that, we sometimes experience conflict in our lives as a, as a, as a result of it. Because when it comes to Jesus, here's what we believe. You can't go over him. You can't go around him. You can't go under him. The only way that you can get to the Father, to a place of hope, joy, love, and peace, to a place of eternal rest with God is straight through him. Absolute faith, complete surrender, total trust. And uh, that is not something that you just easily nudge into, to where it's all simple unicorns and rainbows. There's conflict and difficulty in that, especially around us as the world does not accept that. C.S. Lewis put it well as he would write about the reality that there is no moderate ground with Jesus. You don't moderately follow Jesus. You don't moderately love Jesus. I mean, you either 
He's either Lord or he's not. There's no in-between. And, and it's really painted well the picture in Mark 10 as Jesus encounters and, and works with this uh, young man who's got a lot of money, a lot of power. He's dubbed the rich young ruler. There's this interaction that takes place there, and some try to make it about the money. It has nothing to do with any of that. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to be rich, and Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have power. Absolutely not. The problem that Jesus is pointing out is that he knew this young man he really worshiped his money. He really worshiped his power in a way that he wanted to make Jesus the one he moderately followed. And Jesus basically said, it does not work like that in my kingdom. And so therefore, in order for you to really be all in for me, you're going to have to give these things up because they're too important to you. And that's, that's the premise behind all of it. And the problem is, and why there's so often a, a a conflict because, I mean, when it's absolute, it's absolute, right? But yet we live in a buffet culture. I mean, Christian culture and American culture is like the spiritual golden corral, right? Get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't work that way within the Scripture, so therefore there's conflict as a result of that. And so Simeon was absolutely confident that Jesus was coming. And that's interesting. And he was absolutely confident that this boy before me is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. Um, because it was highly debated even in their time. It was highly, un there's a lot of uncertainty and, and lack of clarity, but there's a, a lot of emphasis within the text on how the Spirit of God was on him, on how he leaned into the Spirit of God, trusted and listened to the Spirit of God, leading him and, and guiding him as well. And, and this is so important because when you look at it, there's some interesting realities. Regardless of these uncertainties, one, Simeon is absolute about this. He, he is confident without any doubt. He has a lot of conviction and encouragement, and he's letting it out there. And then here's the second thing. There's nothing new under the sun. And the same way they were unclear and uncertain and debated, in our time there is so many arguments sometimes among Christian believers about the uncertainties, and this is exactly how Jesus is going to come back, and it's going to go this way, and it's going to go that way, and you can expect this, and you can expect that. Listen, here's the reality. I don't have to be certain of the exact manner, time, and details to be certain that Jesus is coming. And I could be confident in that. And here's what we get out of that. Here's the difference. Some Christians live with specific expectations. Simeon was living with a faithful attitude of expectancy. Very different. Specific expectations are like straw bridges that give way underneath us and leave us disappointed. But we can live with faithful expectancy every day. And, it, and that faithful expectancy, it, it sharpens us. It, it guards us. It encourages us. It helps us to remain faithful. And most importantly, it gives us the opportunity as we're leaning into Christ, as we're leaning into God's word, as we're engaged in services like this, engaged in groups, engaged in classes and so on and so forth, that I actually see God moments. I may not see the baby Jesus and get to hold him in my arms, right, because that time has passed, but I can see God show up in this moment and how I'm loving my spouse or how I'm hopefully expectant in a difficult time or whatever it may be in everyday kind of moments to where I practice the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that is available as a result of the first advent as I live between two worlds looking forward to the second.
And that's what we are looking at here because our faith is built on the expectant return of Jesus. And the only way perfect peace and joy and hope and love and all those things are going to come into play is when Jesus comes back with all authority and all power as a conquering king of the entire universe and he declares it so. And he separates out all those who do not desire to be with God and those who desire to oppose his son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And at that moment, This is when God brings all those things into perfection. Faith that believes and follows that belief in Jesus is one that helps us encounter sometimes conflict in the world. It's not that we bring it in. It's just that it is inevitable when we trust and follow somebody who is not accepted by the world we live in. But here's the real difficult part, too, for us personally, individually, not just what happens exteriorly in our lives. It's what happens interiorly well, as well because the spirit, whether you like it or not, will create conflict in your own heart as you desire to follow Jesus Christ. And not only is there conflict externally, there's conflict internally when we follow Jesus. And, and here's the reality. Uh, Simeon knows this is Jesus as he's holding him. He's able to see God and not miss him because the Spirit is present with him. And in the same way, the Spirit is present with us and will not only cause conflict in the world as we live out our faith in Jesus, but it also causes conflict within our heart. I want to turn back your attention to that statement that Simeon makes to Mary. He says, uh, this child will cause you to be pierced in the heart with a sword, right? And we understand that to a certain degree why that's just... An absolute reality in their context, we know that Joseph, who is the earthly father of Jesus for the time that he was on the earth, he did not make it to the time in which Jesus entered ministry. He died at some point. We don't know when, but we just know he was not around when Jesus started his ministry. We know that he did not see this boy that he loved and poured into um, crushed on the cross in the way that he, he was. So certainly Mary had to experience that. And I mean, I can't even begin to a mother having to go through that. I mean, it's absolutely crushing in every way. But I think Mary stands in representation of everyone in this moment, in this statement, everyone who loves Jesus. Everyone who comes to believe, he is without a doubt my Savior, Savior of the church, Savior of the world, and and they begin to release their lives to him, begin to give up all self, all interest in self to serve him as best we can, to really love him in the way that we're called to love God in the scriptures. I think that as people extend their self to Jesus that way, that they too, as a result, will have this sword that pierces their heart at times for their own good, for their own building, for their own growing and radical transformation as well. Here's the simple truth. Peace does not come without conflict. It's just not like we we just squeeze our eyes really tight like a little kid, right, when they've done something wrong and mom and dad walk into the room and they're like, if I just squeeze my eyes really tight, they're going to disappear and everything's going to be okay, right? If I just squeeze my eyes really tight, uh, peace is just going to enter into the world. It, It doesn't come without ultimately there being conflict. And so I want to talk about two things. And the first one is repentance. You know, repentance which is a desire to turn away from whatever it is that the world wants me to do and turn towards and follow and trust faithfully what God tells me to do, it brings pain and struggle into our life. Repentance is the pathway ultimately to find peace uh, with God in 
our lives. Now, salvation, without a doubt, is based on the work of Jesus, and we receive it freely, but we do not receive it easily. We have to walk through a place of repentance, and it's not just a one-time thing, but there may be many things over a course of time in our life that we have to learn do not glorify God, and therefore I'm learning how to live in such a way that does glorify him, and that's not always easy, you know? Here's the problem that all of us face, and especially difficult in our culture. All we need, all anyone needs to walk in penitence with the Father is nothing. And in our culture, realizing that I really am nothing and I really have nothing to offer before a God of the universe is not something that comes easily for any of us. Very difficult, very hard path to walk. And this is why a penitent spirit isn't something that comes easily uh, for us. Repentance is coming to a mental place where you know you need forgiveness, you know you need power because you comprehend I'm self-centered in this way or that way or some sort of form, but here's the really hard part. Well, I can fix it. I can make it better. I'll do, I'll do good next time. I'll do this instead. I'll do that instead. I'll read this book, and you realize I'm completely powerless to fix it. I'm completely without any tool or comprehension or ability to fix what's broken within me. It's that place where we come. I, I've got to empty myself of everything in order to really be able to walk this. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's kind of like getting an antiseptic put on a cut, right? Never a fun thing. I'll never forget years ago, uh, uh, back in the early 80s, my brother and I, there was this apartment complex about a quarter mile through the woods uh, from the house we lived at. And we'd go over there every day after school and we'd grab some scrap wood and we'd, we'd haul it back, you know. And we built this skate ramp most amazing half pipe in the history of half pipes in uh, San Susi area of Jacksonville, Florida. All right, people, it was, it was legit. And uh, I remember one day we had some friends over there and we're skating. Man, I came down and my hand got stuck underneath my knee pad and just drug down the concrete driveway, right? And I come up and I look at it. It's that moment of shock and awe, you know? I look at it, it's just white, right? It's not even bleeding, it's so bad. It's just got all that white. And I'm like, I need to see tendons and bones, you know, and there's all kinds of grit, road grit in it. And so I go screaming and yelling to mom. And moms are supposed to fix stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's just what they do. And uh, mom starts pouring stuff on it. It's making it worse. And I'm screaming at her, like, what are you doing? Just stop, just stop. But she knew, you know, in order to get this thing cleaned out, in order to make it well, in order to make it whole, in order to make it the best it can be, there's got to be some pain involved because the very thing that's bringing the pain is the very thing that on the other side of the pain brings peace, brings comfort, and brings radical transformation. And that's what we see happening ultimately in here, and it's something that we realize we need within our life as well. Now, accompanying that idea of repentance, that, that brings a sting, that brings difficulty, that brings conflict within our spirit, is also obedience, that brings conflict into our own spirit as well. It's, here's the thing. A worldly path is going to look like unicorns and rainbows and fairy tales. If you do this, everything's going to be great. It's just going to work out. It's easy. It's, it's, you know, just do this, right? 
but then sometimes when we look at obedience, obedience is like the hard thing. I've got to be honest here. I've got to be upright here. I've got to be like Christ-like in this. And we're like, oh, if, that, if I do that, it's going to bring this significant amount of conflict. I know I'm being obedient to God here. That should be the easy thing. And that's the way that Christian culture has been developed within our culture most often, right? Just, just believe and, and everything's good, going to be good. The reality of it is, is believing means we are obedient in ways that sometimes bring us to the conflict. I mean, after all, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. We have documentation of that. But yet Jesus said, I will be obedient to you, Father, to do what you desire for this plan that we have laid out. And that obedience takes him right dead center into the most amazing and difficult and painful conflict of his life. And so sometimes being obedient to God means that we have to walk this path of conflict. And and, and this doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but it also means that we don't shrink back. A faithfulness is saying, hey, I'm going to press into this. I'm going to trust in faith that God is calling me towards an action in my life that will glorify him, will transform me, and share Jesus with my world. Because conflict is inevitable in the world. And so as we don't search it out, we also don't shrink back from it when it comes our way. As long as we know we are being faithfully obedient to the will of God. And so repentance and obedience, uh, it can be a sword that will pierce our heart. And this is true of us and create internal conflict. After all, what does a good surgeon do? I mean, a good surgeon makes you bleed. A good surgeon cuts you. A good surgeon creates some sort of conflict within your physical body in order to do what? Remove something that should not be there so that on the backside of that conflict, your body can be at peace and can be transformed and changed and be more healthy and whole. And so the Spirit of God, when you invite God and His Spirit to be present in your life, He is going to cause a a conflict within your heart. That's not always the easiest thing. And so often, I see this quite often with newer Christians too, they feel like they're doing something wrong because they received a gospel that was only a partial gospel, not the whole thing. And so as they accept and and follow and desire to submit their life to Jesus Christ and the Spirit begins to highlight to them all these things that need to be surgically removed and they can be transformed, they begin to think, my life has just gotten harder ever since I started following Jesus. And I'm like, good. That's exactly how it's supposed to go. And yet, that's not what a lot of people sign up for. It's not what a lot of people want. But if we're faithful to realize that on the backside of some of them struggles, on the backside of repentance and obedience that stings, there's amazing transformation that can take place in a very powerful way. Simeon was confident of God's presence in his life. He is in a place of faithful obedience that is pictured with joy and peace and hope and love. And just because we have this one little snapshot of him, let us not think that he got there with ease. It just happened overnight, but it's been a long journey. He even says, now I can leave this earth in peace because I have seen what you've promised. And he walked through his life every day, just like we, practicing the presence of God, enduring the sting of repentance and obedience, trusting that the conflict that may come internally and externally, as long as it was to the glory of God, it was what God would desire and he could walk it out perfectly. 
Here's the thing. If we get this, if we understand this, it can mean radical things for us. Uh, I want this for me. I want this for you because I know what it can do within our lives. I know what it can do within our community. It can change it in ways that we never imagined possible. But what if Mary said, I, I don't want my soul to be pierced by a sword? What if Jesus said, I don't want to be pierced by a sword? You know, what would that mean for me? What would that mean for you? What would it mean for us? At the end of the day, an attitude of faithful expectancy is one that does not shrink back. We may fall into weakness from time to time. We may get sucked into the plan of the world from time to time. We may shrink back from a moment of penitence penitent spirit moving in our lives. We may shrink back from an obedient moment from time to time. But what we need to do when we come to our senses about who God is and what it means to follow faithfully Jesus and have hope and love and joy and peace in our life is lean back into the word. Lean back into the nudge of the spirit. Lean back into gathering together in a place where my spirit can be better formed by the presence of God. Lean back into opportunities to really dig into and know him in his word. Community where I can share the content of my heart safely and so on and so forth. And as we lean back into that, we will begin to be people who practice peace, love, joy, hope in ways that are so faithful and expectantly faithful that it will catch the attention of the world around us that we can radically transform and shape as our community grows. And we will not change the fact that it is growing. It's going to grow tremendously. We can determine how it grows because all it takes is a room full of this many people to radically impact the community. Father, we're thankful for this time. We're thankful for the opportunity to enter into 2022 with faithful expectancy knowing that all year long we've been thinking about the fact that you are present with us. We want to practice that presence, lean into that presence, trust in your presence through your word, knowing that your word will bring us to thoughts and moments and opportunities to hear from you and hear from your spirit, to engage relationally, personally, in a variety of ways, uh, to practice the kind of characteristics that are true because we live after this first amazing advent of your son. And we have absolute confidence of what he has done, what he has promised, and what he will do. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to live that way. And we're thankful that we can because of the power of the presence of your spirit in our lives. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So listen, we're going to do communion this morning. But we're going to do it different than we normally would. So as you prepare your communion... Don't take it yet. I want us to take it as a community. I want us to take it as a family of faith that is expectantly and faithfully looking forward to the return of Jesus. So go ahead and go and grab the communion elements. If you were not able to get them on your way in, return to your seat. Prepare your elements, which is a small piece of bread and it's a small cup of juice. And for those of us who are believers, which obviously those of us who are believers are the one who are going to take this. If you're not a believer... Obviously, you're not going to engage in this. It's not right or wrong. It just makes sense. If you don't understand what we're doing, if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus Christ, you would not take elements that are symbolic of his body and his blood. They're ultimately symbolic of his life. They're symbolic of his promises. They're symbolic of his lordship over our life. 
Um, we are taking into our bodies something that reminds us that the Spirit of God has been placed in us by the power of God to help us to live out in ways to where we're penitent of the things of the world and where we're growing in obedience to the things of God. And so as we prepare these elements, this piece of bread reminds us of the body of Jesus and his body was given up for us. It was physical, it was here. This is the first advent of the Lord. We take this in remembrance of him. This juice reminds us of his blood. We all have life because of the blood flowing through our veins. And when this blood flowed out of the body of Jesus, his life left him because he wanted to give it up so that sin could be paid for. And so that as the song we sang before, Come Thou Found, he interposed his blood for our salvation and our life. We take this in remembrance of him. My prayer for you, my prayer for Canoe Creek, church family is that we enter into 2022 with a faithful expectancy with an excitement with a joy as we approach Easter we have no less joy as we approach summer we have no less expectancy and joy as we get to the end of this year to come we have just as much peace matter of fact even more as we press into the reality of God present with us and learn how to be all in with God. Learn how to be all in with His plan. Learn how to, just as we've been practicing the presence of God in our lives, uh, learn how to engage in the plan of God with our lives. Let's consider that as we stand.